listening to Impact Insights, a communications podcast by the Impact Agency. Hello, I'm Nicole Webb and welcome to the Impact Insights uh, 2022. Where did that where did that last year or two years go? I've got no idea. Um, I've got a special guest with you for you today. It's um, Chris White. He's our behavioural specialist that we use at, at the Impact Agency. And um, I thought it'd be really nice to talk about behaviours and what we've been through for the last mm, two years and what does it look like going forward into 2022. Chris, how are you? Welcome. Good morning. I am well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's 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 nice to see you too. And I know our, our listeners can't see your face, but I can, so it makes my day. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. <laughs> so I just wondered if maybe we should start with um, a little bit about who you are and um and how we got to meet. Sure. Um, so I'm a specialist in behavioural psychology, and this is really just about um, all the aspects of psychology about uh, why we do things and how to influence it, and it focuses on behaviour. Uh, I'm especially interested in those things that appear to be irrational or surprising. Um, so that's that's my focus. We've been working together for over five years now. Yeah, wow. Um, and, yeah, it's just been a, an amazing journey and um, great to be a part of the team. Oh, look, and the, the value that you provide to our clients is absolutely phenomenal. Um, the audience profiles that we put together and understanding the behaviours behind people has just been um, so interesting and you can see the clients just love Mm. Um, hearing about it so anyway so we're not here to talk about us we're here to talk about um, 2022 and you know I think we had a little bit of a chat was it last week and we talked about how I was you know I'm a little bit on edge mm. I feel like we came out of we weren't expecting the COVID in 2020 and then when we got to 2021 we kind of went oh that's it it's the end of the year we've drawn a line in the sand let's just get on with things and then bam we got mm got shot shot down again so coming into 2022 everyone's a little bit I think are they a bit apprehensive maybe um we're still in a little bit of limbo you know our expectations I don't know do we have expectations do we have mm. high expectations I certainly don't think um it's going to be any different particularly in the first half of the year anyway to what we've been experiencing over the last year two years mm. with these expectations should we keep them in check this year? How do where do we, where do I expect where do we where do they come from? Uh, well, I think it's 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 just natural that we've got that we form expectations around this time of the year. There's a, a, a fairly well known principle called the fresh start effect, and this is really why things like New Year's, um, somebody's birthday, it's a another year for you. These are essentially these um, what they call temporal landmarks. So a moment in time that marks something. So we talk about a new year. We're coming into the new year. It was 2020, 2021. The new year, it means something to us symbolically because culturally it's a, a fresh start. And that fresh start uh, delineates the past from the future. So culturally, we expect here's the new year. Um, it will be, this is why people make New Year's resolutions, new goals, the year ahead. Now, that's just a calendar. <laughs> it's something um, created. Uh, you could argue there's Chinese New Year 
um, in some parts of the Middle East, there's Nauru's. And these happen at different times of the year. So there's nothing special about January per se. Um, so, but we've created something special um, with this start of the new year. And that is, that, that's this fresh start effect. But COVID um, isn't really interested in, um, <laughs> in, in our calendar. And so I think uh, we've, we've got expectations of being able to have a fresh start, a new, a new uh, exciting year ahead. Um, COVID doesn't care, the economy doesn't care, politics doesn't care. And so um, we, we end up being surprised because we, we can't have this fresh start. So I think, I think that's a key um, part of it. So if we can't have a fresh start, then what do we do? Maybe we need to, to think about when we do start things, um, what it means to have goals, what those goals are. Um, and maybe change our thought of uh, time scales um, and changing our our mindset potentially to be to be thinking a bit more uh, agile. I think there's a certainly some some things that we can learn from what has happened. Now the past doesn't always repeat, but there's learnings there, and potentially we can learn from that for to have a more realistic approach going in. I think. We still can be optimistic. It's a fresh start, but um, we'd be foolish to uh, to not learn lessons from the past. So this this whole thing about a fresh start, you, you know, New Year's resolutions of, of the years gone by, you fall off the wagon a little bit, you pick yourself up and you fresh start again. Like mm. you, a fresh start, you can keep re- refreshing your fresh start, yeah? Mm, mm, mm. So, but don't, don't you think we get to a point, and I think I'm, um, probably thinking more about um, businesses now, particularly in the hospitality and the tourism sector that have gone, yes, we're opening. No, we're not. And here comes another variant. You know, we keep getting smacked down. Mm. How, how Can you continue to have those fresh starts? What, what's the implication of, have, of being optimistic in, in, this, in this time? Well, it certainly does feel like people being beaten about. <laughs> I think it's sort of like a, you know, being like left, right, boxing combinations it seems like it's one thing then another um and over time uh it does grind you down and when these things continue it can really lead to helplessness i think you can see some of these stories of despair so it's pretty easy to feel beaten down i think is a is a way of expressing how a lot of people are feeling um but uh there's things that we could do. There's things that companies can do to navigate this. And there's things, and I, I think a lot of it comes down to our mindsets. Um, and, you know, there's some great examples of this. I think businesses and people are wanting to plan. So individually plan my holiday, um, plan what I'm going to do at the end of the year, plan a, a party or um, plan various things. Businesses, likewise, they need to think about investments, Um, They need to think about um, staffing. They need to think about stock um, and when to implement things, new product launches, all sorts of things. So how can they potentially have a more agile um, approach to this, I think, is is, um, something they need to think about. I think a lot of companies have taken on board, particularly um, our clients and in... um, the advertising and marketing sector have certainly taken on a, a more tactical approach or a project by project approach mm. to to their businesses because they just don't know what's around the corner. But I do have a sense mm. that 
people are just getting on with it now. I don't, um, and I'm not talking about in the hospitality and the tourism sector because it's just been absolutely decimated. But certainly in the sectors that we operate in, our clients have kind of taken a deep breath. You know, when, when COVID first started, it was, oh, oh, no, what do we do? What do we do? And put the brakes on. But now I feel like mm. um, we're kind of just used to it now. Do you, th- do you think we are getting used to it? I think the reality is that there's no choice and we do need to proceed and then others proceed. I think social norms and norms um, play a big role here. Uh, we saw that with, you know, very other various other bits of psychology going on with people, um, you know, stocking up on things and the, the toilet paper at the supermarket and all this. But we're very much driven by how we see others responding. And my sense is that... Uh, some businesses are getting on with business as usual, maybe those who haven't been as affected. But I think we're looking around to each other, both as individuals. Um, are you going back to work? Are we going back to work? Can we have a, can we get together for a gathering now? Are people going out? Um, same thing for businesses. Are people investing? What are we doing? And so there's a kind of a sense of uh, collective uh, movement and um, optimism and uh I, I think we're waiting to see what others do and then to follow with safety in numbers. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's no, uh, there may be opportunities now. Well, so, well, someone's got to take the lead, right? Exactly. And, and, and I think they are. Yeah. Have you got any examples of businesses that have, have taken the lead in the, in the last six months? Well, if if I think back to, it's probably a bit earlier than that, if I think back to um, some of the businesses who adapted over COVID and I think have have done quite well, I think about um, some of the, like, let's say Uber and Airbnb. Uber were very fast to respond to, um, obviously it was impacting them and their workforce, but they were quite quick to respond with um, health well-being. I remember getting so many surveys about um, what people's expectations were, what kind of policies they could implement. Uh, home fitness uh, and oh, so just to back just back on Uber too. They they started delivering Woolworths groceries as well, right? So it, it, exactly, and I think that whole logistics yeah. um, and, and COVID has fast tracked a lot of the tensions that were there, uh, and this has led to innovations and companies like Uber. Um, were able to adapt um, Zoom, Slack, all of the comms channels and logistics, um, like you said, with Uber. So Australia Post, couriers all sharing different capacity, uh, delivery routines, different changing days. So um, I think there was some smart uh, adapting there. But in terms of leading back into a, a new kind of normality, something makes me think that it's the tourism and the travel that is a big sign of normality. So almost like the pandemic is over when I can fly (laughs) or certainly when we get back to the office is is another thing. So I think that mobility is a a key one. I'd say that the travel industry and airlines are going to be a big sign of of change and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do because... um, because there's a great opportunity yeah, for them. I know the borders are opening up again on the 21st of February. The government announced that this week. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit cynical. I, I don't think we're going to have 
bucket loads of people or plane loads of people coming immediately. I think it's just easier for people to stay, you know, we're a long way away. So if you think about Europe, America coming, travelling to, to us, we are a long way away. So perhaps they'll just, for the, for the short term anyway, just stay around in their local area. I know um, a lot of people that are looking to, looking forward to travelling overseas, particularly over the next 12 months. Let's just wait till things calm down a little bit more. So it's interesting. Um, what what advice would you give to somebody like Tourism Australia to try and bring bring tourists back here? What what behaviours are at play and, and mm. what can they do to you know, kind of nudge their, their way back here? Well, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how uh, Australian tourism responds because this is a really important conversation. I think there's been reputational damage um, to Australia, even if, um, you know, it's very politicised. Mm. And so I fear that some of the uh, tourism elements and some of the barriers there is political as well. So, so we're talking about so, the borders have been closed, but we're also talking about, you know, Djokovic, for example. It, it, exactly. Come to Australia That's and you could get kicked back out again, you know. And Australia has has not had a great reputation with these things anyway, in terms of being, um, uh, I guess, authoritarian, very strict with borders, and it's just a perception. And so to have this as well, and then the politicisation of um, vaccines, and then the, the the story of you know Melbourne as the the most locked down city in the world. When I talk to people overseas now, they're like, are, are you okay? And wow, Australia has been really, really harsh. So whatever happens, I think it's important to be aware of that kind of reputation. Yeah, because we've had we've um, had this, you know, she'll be right um, kind of reputation. She, you know, we're laid back, but um, yeah. We're... I do. I think that there's, there's also um, things that can be done with when people come here and the experience is still very much going to be, you know, an amazing experience being here in Australia and, 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 and coming as a visitor, something that I'm even more interested in is how Australians are going to react. Mm. So I feel, and I don't know about you and, and others, but I feel excited about seeing people from other countries at the moment. I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to how, you know, just reconnect with, um, people with different backgrounds and people are here and welcoming and, and also traveling myself. So I'm interested in this sense of um, reconnection. And I would be thinking about the role of Australians and, and on the ground humans and people, um, you know, welcoming and, um, and being excited and potentially the impact that we'll have when we travel. So I'm looking at it also from a, from a, a sort of a reuniting so what, what behaviours are currently at play for Australians? What's making them reticent to travel overseas? I'd say the predictability of the policies is um, pretty important. So will I have to do quarantine? Um, what happens if flights are cancelled? Insurances? Um, even where do I go? What will happen overseas? Um, obviously, some will be concerned about COVID. I think people have also started to appreciate um, our own backyard and domestic travel. Uh, people are also needing to find the the time for the holiday and plan it. So there's a lot of logistics and planning involved in a period where there's a lot of uncertainty. 
Yeah, so, that predictability is really important to people, isn't it? I, I, mm. I the, like you said, the policies are changing day by day. Do I get a PCR test? Do I get a rat test? Do I, uh, you know, how long do I stay at home for? You know, what paperwork do I need to go when I'm when I'm travelling? And it's changing and changing and changing. So I think um, that that lack of predictability is is certainly going to play into our ability to to, to travel. Definitely. Yeah, and I, and I assume it's going to be the same for people coming to Australia too. So maybe that's something that the Tourism Australian can work on is is how do we make travel to Australia more predictable? That That's a great one. It's, it's true for businesses. It's true for people. Um, it makes me wonder if there's innovation in uh, insurances, cancellation policies, um, different causes uh, and with the sunset causes and things like this so uh yeah i think that's that's the key they need to address so is, is predictability something that brands could use then to um make customers feel more comfortable about coming back into the a restaurant or to a store or to purchase a particular product because their life has been so unpredictable, is there something that companies and brands can do to just even it out a little bit for them? I think that will take some time. I think it's difficult until the businesses themselves have predictability um, that they can then, um, you know, pass that on to um, to people. So, for instance, taking uh, deposits for restaurant bookings. Yeah. For instance, will we see that now just permanently? Um, and how far ahead will people accept bookings? Um, yeah, these are these are complex business issues. They certainly are. Um, any sector-specific behaviours that you've seen over the last twelve months? We we talked about the logistics, and I've 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 always been a big fan of Australia Post. They've been they get a lot of criticism, but it's it's quite a um, uh, they're legends. Yeah, it's an like it. Yeah. It's amazing their their role, their remit, and I think it, you, people start to appreciate that in society. Um, you know when there were were struggles with it. So um, again, the uh, logistics, um, deliveries, uh, couriers, um, online, online retail, I think is is huge. Um, yeah, I'm still waiting to see who who emerges uh, with what I'm thinking is more of an agile approach to um, managing a year in business and this predictability. So it's for me, it's less about predicting the next year and more about being able to respond to yeah, what comes true. in the year. Yeah, true. And that agility that you need to do that. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is Clearly, I've been living my life quite differently over the last two years than I did previously. I have a whole bunch of new behaviours. Um, what? It, how do we break those behaviours? I know, you know, maybe some of the behaviours are, 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 are better than what they were in the past. Mm. But if, but you know, like I said, we're, we're our behaviours. I you do online shopping. So how do I break that behaviour as a, as a retail store, for example, and, and get, get the customers back in store? You know, how, what's at play? So how, what does it make to, take it to make a behaviour and then what does it take to break a behaviour, I guess is my question. Mm. Well, 
I think the first thing with this is to address all of these quite cool um, little uh, heuristics and, and phrases that people talk about, you know, 21 days to build a new habit and 300 hours to mastery and all of this, all of this stuff. I think it's um, a lot more complex than that. For me, what is interesting is that people have had their existing habits disrupted. So they've had to adapt. They've had to change what they do. And over time, those behaviors become ingrained and potentially a, a new identity is formed. And we start to form new identities around it. For me, the big insight is how there's been a values realignment for people. They're starting to work from home. They're getting more time with their family or their pets or um, less commuting time. They've been able to do some more things or they're, you know, they've, they've lost loved ones. They've lost friends. There's just a big values realignment. And that's part of this. People talk about the, you know, the great resignation, but there's time for been time for reflection. The values change. And when that happens, identity changes. And so rather than saying, oh, I'm at this in this routine where I'm going to the gym and now I'm going to have to go back to work and I'm going to have to, you know, have this new routine or what have you, whatever that routine is. I think it's now people are saying, well, this is how I want to live my life now. This is my new value. So maybe I'm not going back to that behaviour. Um, makes me think what's a compelling proposition to go to the supermarket now if you can um, have a great experience online and have all that convenience and then save all the time, uh, they're going to need to innovate. Um, and then people say people want to reconnect and get back together and, you know, physically meet in person. Uh, not everybody. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm keen to see how the supermarket, how we're going to, I guess, wean people off hmm. a lot of the uh new conveniences and new values and priorities that people have. I, I don't think people will um, uh, shift back as easily. How long does it take to form a new behaviour? I, I, I don't even know if that's the right way of looking at it. It, it, it The beha behaviour change and, and habits have got a number of different mechanisms. So how often, it, how often the behaviour is repeated, how um, significant the reward and the payoff for doing that behavior is and then how um uh integrated that behavior becomes in your day-to-day -day life um and its meaning and then all of the other habits around it so when we might be changing one habit let's say online shopping you're actually changing a whole routine a household routine a lifestyle routine potentially identity uh, because you know, what's involved there is potentially budgeting, planning, commute, you know, traveling to the shop. There's a whole lot of things around it. So I, different for different things, certainly there's no magic formula, but the way to look at it is um, probably frequency of it, its meaning, the, the meaning of the behavior, how integrated it is to other things in your lifestyle um, and what kind of rewards and incentives are involved. Yeah, great. The um, a couple of years ago, Chris, you gave me some really good tips on how to um, make sure that you keep your fitness levels up or get you get you to the gym. And one of the things you said to me was, 
get your drink bottle ready and put it out on the bench the night before. So when you get up in the morning and you see it and you go, oh, that's right, I'm going for a walk today. Pack, pack the bag and and be ready. Prime yeah. yourself and and get ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah, yeah. that's good. I uh, I've it, it it still fails me sometimes. So I find making a commitment to someone else is um just is is powerful. I mean that's that's an interesting thing is how we can use our social norms and our friends and networks to do this. So um uh well, social media right say tell everybody on social media this year 2022 is going to be my year of fitness and i'm going to do blah 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 right announce it to the world i think that the social element of behavior change is really um underestimated so getting going back to working from home going back to um you know to entertainment and experiences and going out dinner parties shopping travel we will look to others to determine whether or not we should be doing it and 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 determining the risk so i think businesses could have a have a could be mindful of a social conversation and sort of what does this mean for us collectively yeah that's interesting it sounds like there's going to be two camps there's going to be the guys that are going to sit back and watch and see what everybody else does and then the others are going to be the leaders. So it's going to be a really interesting year to watch that and see see who does what. That's right. And finally, and, and Chris, you touched on this um, previously, around the great resignation. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the great resignation. What behaviours are at play here and what can companies do to address these behaviours? I think what's at the heart of this has been time that people have had um, and the experience of had uh, either working from home, um, looking at how companies treat employees um, uh, during the pandemic. I think the forces behind this were coming previously as well with the values of, a, of uh, changing values and particularly a younger generation. I see this as a values realignment. People have had time at home, like I said, with their family, with um their, their animals, um, and some people have lost their jobs, uh, other people have picked up hobbies and interests. And so there's this great values realignment. And this is, I also touched on the fresh start. So this is an opportunity to, you know what, I'm not going back to that business as usual. I'm not putting up with that. I expect all of these different values, you, 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 different, um, I guess, ways of working. With that, you've also got uh, startups and scale-ups and companies and, and even small businesses and community um, sort of based businesses which are have purpose in their DNA a bit more. Um, they, you know, have inherent quite often startups are, are based around a, um, you know, positive social environmental impact. So these are also attractive. So all of these forces are going on and I've come across some uh, concept around democratization of the workplace and employee activism. So change is actually coming from within and um, rather than empowered consumers as empowered um, employees. So feeling confident, able to make some um, decisions and uh, they're, they're voting with their behaviors. Now, I, it's an amazing opportunity and you know you can feel it in, in the air what happens when the reality you know um kicks in i think it's possible that people are being a bit romantic about this 
Um, however, I think there's some great things that companies can do. If I, if I was a company, I'd be thinking about embracing that. Um, oh, and revisiting your values. Revisiting values is a key yeah. place to start and also involving the staff. There's a, uh, I think it was a CEO, Novartis, had, had, has written an article was about unbossing the company. <laughs> and I like this idea of how is the company going to change and involving people in the vision and co-creating and empowering, empowering the staff to co-create the company they want to work in. And even if you haven't got all the answers, you certainly want to involve people in that evolution. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, we've um, run out of time, Chris. So I just want to say thank you very much. Um, Francis Francis will be back with um, with me at our next podcast. She had a, a lovely extended holiday over the Christmas break with her little boy Bradley starting school. So um, we'll we'll be back back um, in a couple of weeks. But Chris, Wonderful. thank you so much. You've been listening to the Impact Insights podcast. I'm Nicole Webb, the CEO of the Impact Agency. We hope you have a great day.